Chapter number 10 of The Great Pearl Secret. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit librivox.org. Recording by Rahul. The Great Pearl Secret by Charles Norris Williamson. Chapter number 10. The House in a Cross Town Street. If Simone had not already telephoned to the private office of the Inner Circle's editor, she might have changed her mind about going there that night. She was less superstitious and of harder mental fibre than most Frenchwomen of the South and of her class, but after the quarrel between the Duke and Duchess, something within her shrank from keeping the secret appointment she had made. It was not that she was suddenly conscience-stricken, or that she thought her mistress had suffered enough, without having the skeleton in the cupboard dangle in front of the public. The woman was incapable of any real love save self-love, but she liked Juliet, and would have inflicted upon her no great gratuitous pain. The pain to be inflicted in this instance, however, as well as other instances in the past, was not gratuitous. Simone would be magnificently paid for inflicting it, and so far as Juliet was concerned, she could earn the reward without a qualm. It was for herself that she hesitated, and she did not quite know why. That was the trouble. If she had known, she could have argued out the two sides of the matter and for and against. But it was a vague sort of presentiment she felt that she would somehow be sorry if she gave this story to the paper she served, and it might not be a proper presentiment at all, but only a form of indigestion. She had, she too vividly recalled, taken at luncheon three helpings of lobster salad, a dish which never agreed with her. Besides, she was naturally excited over her part in the events of the day. and that she had telephoned the office she had camouflaged her message lest it should be overheard but what she said would inform the editor that she had up her sleeve the best tidbit he had ever gotten from her tomorrow afternoon the inner circle a weekly publication would be on sale and the whisperer's columns were always kept back till the latest possible moment on account of just morsels dropping in but tonight the blast paragraphs were to be held up expressly for simone almost beyond the time limit she was bound to make good or she would never be trusted again and if the editor was satisfied she was to receive exactly 5 times the sum she got for more or less valuable items supplied each week with a vague uneasy presentiment in one scale and 500 dollars in the other notes not check the inner circle never paid checks for whisperer stuff the presentiment was outweighed simone had in any case a dinner engagement with nothing sort of that would have induced her to miss and the duchess had not been quiet 10 minutes when she flew out to keep it she said nothing to her dinner companion however about the later appointment and excused herself early on the plea that it would be like madame to flash in at home clamoring for her maid between mrs van esten's party and the opera if only for a minute certainly it was more than a minute that simone remained at the firehouse after being brought back after 
dinner in a taxi. At the end of that time, she was out again and on her way to the office of the inner circle. About this place, there was always something mysterious even to Simone's practical and unimaginative mind. And the private office of the editor was the heart of the mystery, the inner circle of the inner circle. For years, she had been a highly paid contributor to the scandalous little paper ever since she had entered her first smart situation in New York and had been approved by a man whose outward business was straightforward, reporting for the society columns of the reputable daily. When in town, Simone had been in the habit of calling in person instead of trusting to the post, and since her value had become recognized, she was invariably received by the editor himself in that very private sanctuary of his. Yet to this day, she had never seen his face and did not know his real name. Mr. Jones will speak to you, was the message telephoned down from the regions above to the amateurish little reception room where an elderly, mild-faced lady in old-fashioned dress received the visitors and tapped a typewriter. But the Frenchwoman was sure that outside the office, His Excellency was other than Mr. Jones, as sure as that Simona Marant was at home Simonetta Maranti. The editor's private office was divided practically into two by means of a fixed screen or partition of match boarding so high that even if an enterprising caller jumped onto a chair, he or she could not see what lay on the other side. There was no door on the screen, therefore no danger existed that the editor could be rushed. Against the partition was placed a table and a chair of the ordinary office furniture type, and the other decoration there was none. On the table were writing materials and a small house telephone. By means of this instrument, one spoke to the presence on the other side, and he spoke in return. That it was always the same presence, Simone knew by the voice. It was peculiar, mincing, and rather effeminate. And though she shrewdly attributed this quality to disguise, it could not well have been initiated by an understudy. This happened to be the first time Simone had ever been to the office at night. It was in a cross-town street within possible walking distance of the firehouse, and this was luck for her as she would have taken a taxi with great reluctance. This errand of hers was the most ticklish that she had ever carried out, and she could not afford to leave the least detail to chance, in case a hue and cry should be raised by the Clermanagh's. Twenty minutes' brisk walk brought her to the door of what had been once a private house, and was now given up to the officers. The inner circle occupied the two lower floors, and above was a quite well-known, though not very fashionable manicurist, Madame Vino. Still higher, the fourth and the top floor was tenanted by a wig-maker, who widely advertised a hair-dye golden glints, and once when a wave of rage against the Whisperer swept New York, it was rumoured that both these businesses were secretly owned by the inner circle. No proof was obtainable. However, and since then, Several new managers had come and gone, both for Madame Vino and Golden Glints. Tonight, the whole house front, 
looked so darkly brooding to Simone's worried eyes that she could have believed anything of it, especially anything that was hideous and evil. There were no lights in the windows and the front door, always open by the day, was closed. But the voice which answered Simone's call on the phone that afternoon had warned her that this would be so and had told her what to do. Following instructions, she descended the steps to a basement door and touched an electric bell above which, on a small brass plate, was the word janitor. Two or three minutes passed and brought no answer, but suddenly, as Simone was about to ring again, the door opened on a chain. What do you want? A woman's voice demanded through the aperture. To see the editor of the inner circle, replied Simone. I have an appointment with him. Oh, what's your name? Questioned the voice. Mademoiselle Simone Amarante. The chain fell, and the door opened as if the Frenchwoman challenged had given the countersign. Simone squeezed through the small space allowed her, and the door instantly shut. It was dark in the basement passage except for the light that came from a room at the back. The woman, the janitor's wife, perhaps, had a little knitted shawl over her head, as thought she was suffering from neuralgia. Simone could not see what she was like, whether old or young, except that her silhouette loomed tall and slender against the dim light. Can you find your way up? asked the voice. Yes, said Simone. I was told it would be dark and that I must bring an electric torch I have brought it. Very well, go up, and knock when you come to the door. Mr. Jones is expecting you. Simone switched on the flame of her torch and went up. End of chapter Recording by Rahul